0: First time home buyers need to check their expectations. Like we show them a property and then it's like, oh yeah, but it doesn't have granite countertops or the the floors are carpet and they're dirty. Like, (laughs) You have no money, no leverage. You're 25 years old. And you want to own a, a, a palace? You want to own the palace on Lakeshore Boulevard. All right. Hello. Welcome to episode 135 of KT Confidential, the real estate podcast. Good I morning. I want to introduce ourselves because why? Here we go. Uh, episode because 135. Why? <laughs> it's just to save time. Um, first time homebuyers. That's what we're talking about today. Are they screwed? Are first time home buyers screwed? Is the real estate market so hot? Are prices so high that as a first time home buyer,
1: you can't buy a home? You're screwed. Well, and the, the, uh, the source of this topic comes from our new videographer who himself is interested in real estate and learning about real yep. estate and probably concerned about the feasibility of buying real estate for uh, first time home buyers.
0: So, um, I just want to clarify because we haven't done an official announcement, uh, which is a good point. We probably should since we like him at least so far. Well, He's only so been far. with us for he only been with us for a month. He's still on probation. But uh, Joseph, Joseph behind the scenes is now editing our podcasts and gonna work on some social stuff for us. Um, and Ian has been promoted to lead vit- videographer and is going to head up our uh, media department. So so new videographer, but new addition, there was no subtraction from the team. So we're just growing. So for those of you that listen and follow on a regular basis, that's a bit of clarification on that. But I don't know how old Joseph is, 21, 20, 22, something like that. I'm going to guess. Um, can't remember. But
1: lives with parents still, wants to purchase a home. Which in itself is a topic I wanted to talk about. So that's good that you bring that up. Um, You know, previously he was,
0: it's it's tough in so many industries and especially now with the change of more entrepreneurial minds with how much easier it is to work for yourself or work independently and, and all this. So you get all these younger people now that, didn't go to school to be a doctor a lawyer unfortunately there's there's less and less of that but certainly less and less of the blue collar stuff right like electricians plumbers like it's stuff, well,
1: it's tough and in I'll, those industries so you get yes. well, let me just finish and then i'll let you tap into no, that no, I, I will not allow that if i want to talk i will talk because you interrupt me all the time yeah that's fine
0: that's what makes discussions interesting and people like banter if i was just Talking and talking. That's what I'm saying. Which, if I'm, I will interrupt you if I have something of noteworthy. Right. So anyways, he, you know, is entering the industry that he wants to be in and a career he wants to be in. And I think we're giving him his real first shot at doing what he loves and getting paid for it. But it's tough, right? Like he was doing all kinds of volunteer and and um, kind of mentorship roles where he didn't get paid or not much. Um, so how do you... How do you save money? Um, He had a Shopify thing going where he made and lost some money and this and that, but um, you got to save money. Then you look at the price of homes and the mortgage rules now changing again. So you got to qualify at a higher rate and unaffordability. That's what it comes down to uh, for a lot of first time home buyers. And that's what a lot of, um, the press is picking up on right now, right? Like if you, if you go on to, as you know, I subscribe to Apple news and I subscribe to in Apple news, all of the major newspapers, the magazines that I follow Toronto life, cottage life. Those are two of my favorites that always are reporting on the status of real estate in their markets. And all you see right now in social media and print media, whatever, how the real estate market is on fire. Nobody can afford it. The prices are unsustainable. It's ridiculous. How are first-time homebuyers ever supposed to buy a home? They're going to live at home forever. Yada, yada, yada.
1: What's the answer, Mr. Trot? Well, I remember back in high school. I don't remember the guy's name. we We were pals in high school. I'm a little bit. Um, and I remember one day he told me that he had saved fifty thousand dollars And by high at uh probably towards the end of high school.
0: So that guy, was 50, like
1: over 20 years ago, or about yeah, 20 he, years ago. He was hustling, he's working hard. He was uh going to school and then he was working after school in the family business type of thing and saving all his money. And and he told me, Yeah, I saved up fifty thousand dollars. I'm gonna go buy a Subaru WRX STI. And he was so proud. And at the you know at the time like I had no money sense I didn't uh think twice of it. I thought it was probably I probably thought it was cool. But you know it's like how do you get the message through to these people? And I think through social media and people like Gary V there's maybe it's people are doing a good job of it. So that information is out there more readily available because a lot of people grow up in families where they don't talk about finances. My parents never did ever, you know, um, a close friend of mine. Um, he is, um, uh, Phil, he's really smart with finances and taxes and investing and, um, his stepdaughter, he's, taught her a lot and she's very smart and has been saving a lot of money and she's doing well, but a lot of people don't have that. And I never did. So I kind of had to well, figure so, it out on my own.
0: But It's also a different time because when we were growing up, the internet didn't exist. Uh, our parents were brought up very differently than, um, than how our kids will look back at us as parents. Um you know, I think a lot of faux pas twenty, thirty, forty years ago, whether it's talking about sex or talking about your feelings or talking about money, um, I think those three things in particular um have come a long way in terms yeah. of people people not only being comfortable with talking about them. But having information available and resources readily available, I think the one huge fail in life in Canada is that schools do not have like you're teaching my kid what a am I you know my children are just going to go in into school uh, in September now. Um, you've got Tessa who's going to be going into grade two grade 2, yep, yeah, September. So they're going to be teaching them about polygons and you know how many sides to uh whatever plex and equations that they will absolutely never use because quite frankly I don't think our kids will even know how to multiply because they're just going to use their calculators on their on their watch or on their phone or whatever. Yeah. You know, even spelling like now, like, Hey Siri, how much is 32 times 32? Well, exactly. Um, and, and spelling, like you got grammarly just automatically fixing all your stuff or whatever. Um, but so, so you're teaching kids a bunch of crap that they're never going to use. How about teach them about money? Know I think remember I remember the only make money and then how to save money and how to invest money.
1: The only thing that I remember very clearly in school that had that was money related, it was probably in like a home economics class, and the project was something along the lines of like budgeting and coupon clipping. So we had a budget and we had to buy we had to plan our food or meals for the week. So we'd have to go through all these right. flyers and pick what we wanted. That was right. the only thing. And for some reason, it just stands out as something I, I remember very clearly, like right down to flipping through the, the flyers. Like it's a very. Yeah, I, I did that image. same exercise. Yeah. But that was it. Like they taught us for a very short period of time how to budget, how to plan, but that was it. No, nothing investing wise. Right. Um, but how to negotiate. Do you think right.
0: that's a valuable
1: life skill? Well, can you I imagine so? at that age if you started investing or just saving, just saving? Um, like if they had a it would not have been hard to convey the value of somebody who saves a small portion of money weekly versus the same person who spends it and where they would be when they were 30 years hey, old.
0: I'm 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 gonna say this though. Like in my early 20s, I made a lot of money because I was successful in my career um, and I spent it all, right? I had nice cars. I had nice clothes. I went partying. You know, if we were going to a club, we'd have bottle service and, you know, spend the night there. We'd go to fancy restaurants. You know, you and I did many of those things together. Um the challenge people have in life is even if you know you should be saving, right? you're living for today or you don't care and you don't really recognize like somebody hasn't come up with a plan that just works for you because you're so stubborn that, well, I can't save everything. I still want to eat out or I still want my Tim's in the morning, that's fine. You can do all that stuff that you absolutely aren't willing to give up. But where are the holes in your plan? And the answer is you don't have a plan, right? You well, don't can you have say, a plan? That guy You're... who
1: was probably 16, 17 years old, um, saved, it was between 30 and 50. I don't remember. It was a lot of money. If at that time, I mean, houses, a nice size house, probably 200 grand could have got him something very nice. And that would have been more than enough down payment. And he could have rented it out. And now he'd be sitting on a million dollar property. Zero mortgage. But it's, I think a lot of the problems too. And one thing I never, I always, I wouldn't say I struggled with it. I just wasn't aware of it. I never thought long-term. I didn't know to, because you are just like you're saying you're living so in the moment that thinking forward to when you're 25, 30, 35, 40 years old, it just doesn't, you can't fathom it because I remember when my mom's 40th birthday, I was like, Oh my God, you're so old. That's just, I thought at that point she was so old. And the whole theme was over the hill. And I'm like, you know, here I am almost 40. And I'm like, damn, like, I feel like I'm 20 still. As soon as I turned 21,
0: I booked a trip to go south with my girlfriend, who was 19, 18, 19. She didn't have any money, so I paid for it. Yeah. We enjoyed that vacation very much. So six months later, because I got two weeks at that time, two weeks uh, off per year. Mm So six months later, guess who booked another vacation? And this time it was even nicer. So, in that year, twenty years ago now, I probably spent four or five thousand bucks on vacations. Right. I liked it so much. The next year I did the same thing, and the following year the same thing. So every year spending. Did it five, keep getting better six, and better. Of course. Well, I mean, certain trips you say, Hey, we can go here for 600 bucks for yeah, four yeah. days. Yeah. Like we, uh, Natalie and I went to Jamaica once and literally it was, we went two days before the trip left because one of those super deals came up and it was like 800 bucks for the both of us to go.
1: That's um, a no brainer.
0: Yeah. You'd, you know, it, but, that point, if you have to go on vacation and I'm not saying don't vacation, do you need the $5,000 vacation? Like right? go to the $800 place and you're still going to have a good time. The food might not be as great and the drinks, not as premium. The sun's the same, you know, you still get to swim. You're still going on the same plane. You're getting to the hotel in the same bus, like, you know, so you got to look at those things. If I had saved money when I was 21, and by the age of 22, I was making a six-figure income. So you think back to that in your early 20s, even if you're making $40,000, $30,000 a year, The expenses are always relative to your income, right? People, as they make more, they spend more. That's, it's natural. You're going to want a nicer home, a nicer car, nicer whatever, or now the things that you need uh, become more readily available. So the more income you make, the more you spend. But there's always an opportunity to put a little bit of money aside. And there's never a bad time to put money aside. And sometimes it could be for a rainy day because you look at what happened with COVID. I hope a lot of people learned that you've got to have liquid assets available in case shit hits the fan, right? Um, And it's going to happen again in your lifetime. So you need to be prepared. Hopefully not a pandemic, but I'm talking about, you know, having to have liquid assets available. So I'll give you an example of myself. Because we both were in our early 20s when we bought our first home. Now, yes, the price, and I think I said in the last podcast, I paid $199.9 for my home in Oakville. Uh, you can't buy anything in Ontario. I don't think that's livable for 199 9 now. Uh,
1: but it's all relative to... Well, up in North Bay, in Sudbury, Timmins. I don't know if okay. you'd want to live there, but... Well, would you want to own
0: property there though? Like to get Perhaps. your foot in the door and rent it out and build equity and pay down your mortgage because well, that's the
1: discussion that needs to be
0: had. Well, that's what we're gonna talk a bit about too. But when I bought my house, okay, let's just say there are properties for two hundred grand up there. I don't think there are. I don't know. I don't sell homes in friggin' Sudbury, don't want to. There but are. I'm sure there are. I've seen are them. there? Yeah, well, there was an article about it recently. Maybe we should look into it because I I think actually Sudbury would be a good and North Bay good place to invest. And if you can buy something for two hundred grand, like I don't know, I wouldn't be going out leasing a uh, you know Ford Explorer for six hundred bucks a month or whatever. I'd be I'd be putting that money into a property and taking the friggin' bus if I had to. But when I bought my house. And the reason I bought my house, I had, I mean, I was 23, 24 years old. I was in a serious relationship, uh, still living, you know, quote unquote, at home and had to get out. And it was either rent or buy. Rent or buy. That's the only way you can move out, right? And I started looking at rental options because I'm like, okay, that's easy. I only have to come up with first and last month didn't really have a whole lot of money. And then I started thinking, I'm like, hang on a second. The rent is, I can't remember what it was, like 1,200 bucks or 1,300 bucks a month. But by the end of the year, you're paying $15,000 in rent. Nobody just lives in a rental for one year. Very, very few people. You don't want to move again. You like the place, you like the area. Now, because you're paying that rent, you don't have enough money to save. To buy something. So you're stuck there a year, two years, three years, whatever. Three years goes by, that's almost 50,000 bucks that you've given to your landlord. Now, what about the opportunity cost? So if that money was then invested into property that you owned, and let's just say you lived there, you didn't rent it out, you lived there. The home is gaining appreciation every year. You're also paying down the mortgage. Those two numbers combined, plus what you paid out potentially in rent, you add those three numbers together, that's your opportunity cost on on what the rental is actually costing you. So when I looked at those numbers, I said, no way. I'm not renting. I will stick it out another year at home. I'll be I'll be working as many hours as I can so I'm not home as often. And that's yeah. going to help me make more money. And I am going to eat shit for the next seven weeks or seven months, eight months, whatever it was, um, and put every single penny I can into an account that I'm not going to touch. And I did that. And it took seven, something like seven or eight months. And then I had 15, 16,000 bucks. So not a lot of money, but
1: that's enough to buy a house so as a first so time home took, buyer.
0: So I went and, and now even the first time home buyer programs with the government are better than they were then. There's a lot of incentives available for first-time buyers, even with banks. You know, uh, banks want you, a little bit off topic, but since, since we say talking about incentives in banks, banks want your business as a first-time home buyer more than any other customer, period. Why?
1: They'll have you for life.
0: Exactly. They're not only going to get your mortgage business, which they want. They don't make a lot of money now on mortgages because of the low rates. But you're going to have your savings and, and checking accounts with them. Now you're going to open up some RRSPs and mutual funds. Now you're going to have meetings with their financial advisors. and they're going. Oh, gonna, if
1: you get a credit card with us, we'll waive
0: your monthly fees. Exactly. Now you're going to have the credit card and all of this. So they want your business uh, very, very badly. Anyway, so I had 15, 16,000 bucks. And uh, I told the story in the last podcast, episode 134. You can go back and listen to that story. But I put the minimum down payment. I called the mortgage. uh, I called my bank. I said, I need a mortgage. I just bought a house. I I didn't even get an approval before I went and I bought it. I just bought it. I'm like, somebody will lend me the money. right? I don't care what the rates were. And I think my rate ended up being like 6.5%. 6.5%. So... People that are talking, oh my God, the rates are going to go up to 3%. Like, are you kidding me? i, I My dad was telling me stories on, on the first house that him and my mom bought was something like 18%. Anyways, 6.5% mortgage. And I said, I'm putting the least amount of money out of my pocket into this purchase. So got the deal at 5% down payment. And at that time, the builder only asked for 20, uh, sorry, uh, five, it was something like 12,000 bucks as a, yeah, that would have been about right. Um, three, three, four, something like that as yeah. a, a deposit. So I had that money already. So basically, whatever my deposit was with the builder was going to cover my down payment. And then the land transfer tax, lawyers fees, it came out to something I can't remember the exact number, but about thirteen thousand bucks, I had three or four thousand dollars left over and by my calculations, and the home was gonna be completed in six or seven months, like they'd already broken ground or cleared the ground and ready to break ground or whatever. And it was ready pretty quickly. So in those next six, seven months, before I got the keys, I continued to save. Now when I closed on the property, I had $10,000 in savings. So I used some of that money to buy a new TV, buy some furniture, buy some paint, I painted, I put some backsplash, and it was a nice place. Sold it 5 years later, made some money, used that down payment or that equity to then buy the home that I'm currently living in. You did the same
1: thing. Okay, but now let's talk in today's time. Okay. How does that translate into people who think they can't get into the market because you're seeing, we're seeing all these articles now where all right. and this one in particular was saying, is the market going to, to is the bubble going to burst? Uh, first time home buyers stand no chance. Well, so first, first, my, my, okay, go ahead. Well, I was going to say somewhat in line with yours, but I think the big thing people need to realize is that owning a house as a primary residence shouldn't be like, that's the, you know, part of the American dream, Um, but it shouldn't be, it should be, it should, at that age, it should be perceived more as an investment into your future. And I saw an article not long ago about a guy who lived at home with his parents and he owned, I think somewhere between five and 10 rental properties. So he was living at home and I hope he was paying rent at that age, I think you should be paying rent especially if he owns five or 10, you know, whatever rental properties, but instead of buying a house to live in, which becomes, you know, it appreciates and you'll make money on it, but it becomes a big expense. There's a lot of costs associated with it right down to like you're saying, all of a sudden you want to furnish it and deck it out with all this stuff. So, you know, your first house buy out of the market, buy uh, somewhere you live, buy somewhere that's more affordable, something that's feasible for you, put the minimum down payment. And just start with that. Get your foot in the door. I I think more people need to do that.
0: 100%. I think the problem is we are so focused on first-time homebuyers buying the home where they have to live. That is a huge problem. You want to know the real truth, the hardcore truth, though? First-time homebuyers got to stop being so picky. They have got... First-time home buyers need to check their expectations because when I work with first-time home buyers, and it's not too often now that I do, but um, you know our team as a whole works with a lot of first-time home buyers, and consistently, I see budgets being you know, raised, like we show them a property and then it's like, oh yeah, but it doesn't have granite countertops or the, the floors are carpet and they're dirty. Like. (laughs) You have no money, no leverage. You're 25 years old and you want to own,
1: but they're driving around in a
0: You want to own the palace on Lakeshore Boulevard. Right. But when we show you a one bedroom condo and it's got carpet and laminate countertops. Oh, I don't want this. I'd rather stay with mommy and daddy. Sorry. That's my one curse for the podcast.
1: It, I think it was so loud. You actually blew the microphone. I couldn't even hear it. It's like good. It, Self bleeped itself out. Joseph, Joseph won't have to bleep it out then. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, but you know what? Like that's the truth. That's the hardcore truth. Like, why are you being so picky? Just, just buy something. Just buy something. Like, that complicated? Buy something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had. Um, and I had well, a... here's here's here's. I'm. Let me just finish because now okay, I'm, go. I'm getting okay. heated. I'm getting heated a little bit. Let's just say you have to live in the GTA for work and whatever. You're absolutely dead set on buying your first home in the GTA. You have a spouse. Do you have friends? Maybe you become the landlord in the home that you're actually living in. Have you thought of that? So you rent a couple of rooms. Call up your buddy, right? Hey, Sheila, you want to rent a room from my new house? Move out of your mom and dad's place? I'll only charge you 500 bucks. 500 bucks, I can move out of mom and dad's? Okay, sign me up. Right. Right? So you rent two rooms. Now you're making a thousand bucks a month in rent. Or you buy a place where you can finish the basement. And now you rent out the basement. And then, the you know, that it's there's just so much appreciation over time. Like if you're 25 years old, I guarantee you, if you can get into the market when you're 25 years old and you hold that property, not sell it, not flip it, not come up with unrealistic expectations, hold it for 10 years. You're going to be 35, 35. You're still young. You're probably just starting a family. Wouldn't it be handy to have $100,000 a hundred thousand plus dollars cash cash as money in the bank and buying a three let's say a three hundred thousand dollar house, I guarantee you a three hundred thousand dollar home today anywhere in the province of Ontario will make you a hundred thousand dollars clear money in ten
1: well, years. you're being extremely conservative, I think too
0: I am. That's why I'm saying I guarantee it.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I won't guarantee something. If not, I'll I'll buy it back from you for that amount. (laughs) Those real
0: estate ads piss me off. By the way, what kind of bullshit I know is is advertising is that? If we don't, if we don't sell your home for whatever ninety nine percent of your asking price, we'll buy it. Yeah hmm. Yeah. So the in the contract with the little asterisk that says uh, at a predetermined price to be agreed by both the buy uh, the agent and the and the seller. And by the way, that price just happens to be about 80 percent or 85 percent of the true market value of that home. Sure. Anybody will buy it at that price.
1: I don't I wonder if that ever happens. And if it does, it's only because somebody's in duress and they have to sell. So they're getting screwed. They yeah. got misled. Yeah. So, so I I th- I think the biggest thing is just to sum it up: first-time home buyers, get over yourself. You don't need something flashy. Don't worry about buying something in the market you live in. You probably can't afford it. And if you have friends that are, and you're jealous of them, there's a good chance you shouldn't, don't compare yourself. Like you got to stop comparing yourself to other people because they may have had some help from mom and dad. A lot of people do nowadays. So don't compare yourself. 100%. 100%. Buy Buy in a market that you can afford. Don't overthink it. Get your foot in the door. Stop spending money on shit.
0: You know, as a parent, as a parent, if your child comes to you and says, hey mom, hey dad, um, I'd really like to buy a home. I can't afford it. No obligation. You worked hard for your money. You don't have to give me any money. But is there any way that you could help me accomplish that dream, that goal? And just, you know, some parents are financially able to and want to. Um, I have a couple of clients with multiple children that own investment properties, multiple properties, and the goal is um, to give those homes to the kids because they bought them. This is, this is a great story, by the way, because I have two families uh, that we manage multiple properties for, and um, one of them has six properties now. And here's what they do. From the first property, it gained equity. Then they refinanced it, pulled out their initial investment, and then put that into a second property. Yeah. Waited for the second property to gain in value. So this is over the course of the last 15 years or so that I know them. Maybe
1: 12 years, whatever. And that goes to the thing of people need to think long-term.
0: Second property, they did the same thing. Third property, they did the same thing. So literally, the five investment properties that they have, sorry, it's four, four investment properties that they have paid themselves, all of their initial capital that they put in to buy the first one, they've already recouped all of that. So literally, those four homes have cost them nothing. Yeah. Um, For those of you listening and those of you that aren't homeowners, there is a link in our Insta bio. And in that link, you'll find... Well, it's our link tree. Go to our link tree. And there's a money savings tip Guide It's a free download. Adrian spent weeks putting it together. We spent hours upon hours coming up with ideas and tips on how to save money and where to cut costs.
1: And I don't remember how many tips there are in there, but there's a lot. I think there's and... 37. and the neat thing with it is it put thing, it puts mm-hmm. things into perspective because I think a lot of people don't really pay attention to where their money's going.
0: Yeah, and I here's another guarantee. I'm full of guarantees today. I guarantee you there's two or three of them that you'll review out of those 37 tips and you'll be like, "Oh, that's a good point," or "Oh, that's a good idea." And take it seriously. Even if you even if you own a home, like how many people we're talking about first-time home buyers, fine. And this is what the podcast is about. By the way, if you are a first-time home buyer and you want to get hooked up with one of our realtors, send us a message. It's free. Buyers work with us for free. So we're going to have a consultation with you, let you know the process, what you're going to get. It's a whole bunch of added value to the buying process with our team. And you'll get one of our professional, experienced realtors that will hold your hand, walk you through the whole financial process, the buying part. Um hook you up with great lawyers and movers, anything you need. We'll get out, we'll show you some properties, show you what's available. We can get you into the market. If it's an in an area that we don't work in, like Thunder Bay or North Bay or Sudbury, uh, we do have contacts all across the country that we can hook you up with.
1: Um, and I think it's that- important too, because I think one of the challenges that maybe holds people back is the uncertainty of how to start the process because it's intimidating. So all all that requires is a phone call,
0: yep, or a DM message. You don't okay, know where would, to find would, us. I, whatever, yeah. whatever. Yeah, you're you're going back to like commercial days. Yeah, ah, just call today. Uh, free information, no obligation. Call the KT team. Um, so what the hell was I saying <laughs> before I went down that path? I don't know. Oh, this is about first-time home buyers, but. The Savings Guide, even if you own a home and investment properties, please read it, take it seriously. Now more than ever, our, our country has to do a better job of understanding our finances, being more careful on how our money is spent. Uh, I think the government is gonna try and recoup a lot of the money that it's lost over the last couple of years. So taxation
1: and- Absolutely. And we're going to start hearing from all these people that collected on that.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of people, a lot of employees are also going to be in for shocks when they don't get a pay raise or potentially pay decreases to keep companies alive. Uh, I think a lot of businesses are going to close. So you have to be very careful. If you're one of the lucky people that have a good job and you're stable and you've got savings and you own a home and all that, that's wonderful but the the problem i think once somebody owns a home is mentally they think that they're kind of safe you know what i mean that i have my home my home is my investment so you know i don't have to worry about saving for a home or whatever and now the 10 dollar starbucks stop in the morning um isn't as hurtful to your bottom line uh, because you already own a home. You have a nice car. Your kids are healthy. You have clothes. You have food. You got everything you need. And then we forget, right? We spend that 10 bucks on Starbucks. Well, over the course of five years, you spent $6,000 at Starbucks, not 10. Right. And that 6,000 uh, invested into property in 10 years is actually 30,000 or whatever, 12,000. Right? Now... 10 bucks at Starbucks, 10 bucks at McDonald's, 100 bucks on your cable, whatever. Savings guide will help you kind of understand that. So if you are a first time buyer, please read it. It's free, it's an easy download. We don't haunt you, we don't track you well, down. Well, not only,
1: not only will it help you with cutting back in order to speed up the process of finding something to buy, um, it may also give you a bit of insight into some of the costs that are involved with owning a home. And how establishing a budget and better spending habits now is really important because when you do own a home, you're not going to be able, you're as very likely that you won't have the same freedom to go and do things as you wish. So get used to those changes now.
0: Now, if you, if you think first-time homebuyers, so let's say uh, before we wrap it up here, Adrian, if a first-time homebuyer calls you today and... You know they have an average income, but they also have somebody else buying the home with them that has an average income. So combined, because I think that's happening more and more. So whether it's partners uh, like um, you know you're in a relationship together, or um, you know potentially a a friend.
1: Well, I have a good example that we just helped somebody sell their house. There was three families that owned it together, and. the three of them, that's all they could have, only way they could afford to buy a house. So they, uh, they were new immigrants. Um, they bought the house together and then they sold it. And then two of them bought another one together. And then their plan there is to sell that eventually and everyone have their own home. That's a great, great story. I think more, more people should do that. Yeah, for sure. Um,
0: but let's say, let's say two people call you. Right, they're first-time home buyers. Um, they qualify for some of the government programs. They've got a little bit in RSP. They got a little bit in savings. They they spoke to a mortgage broker or whatever. Maybe they haven't. Um, well, let's say they have a budget. You can make up the budget. What what's your biggest advice at that stage for a first-time home buyer when before they even think too deeply into it. Like they, let's say they taking, they're taking our advice and they're DMing us, they're calling us this week. And what are you going to, what are you going to chat with them about? What are you going to, what are you going to do? What's, what's your steps
1: in that early going process? I think one of the important things is goes back to expectations of what to buy and, and not to get caught up on the the fancy, uh, features. And, you know, a lot of people watch HGTV shows and they want all that fancy stuff. I, I remember a client of ours, Marson. Um, we, he sold a condo with us and wanted to upgrade to a house and the is that he's in now, when we first saw it, it was not pretty. It was rented. It smelled like cat piss. It was dirty. It had smelly dirty stained carpet I remember it. And it was on the market for a little while. It was on the market for a little while. And I saw so much potential in that house. And it took me a while after a few visits and a lot of convincing. And even his parents got involved and convinced him it was a good idea. And eventually he bought it and he's done very, very well on that house, but uh, it wasn't an easy sell. And I think, um, you know, in hindsight, I'm sure he's very happy he made the decision because of a coat of paint and some new floors that him and his dad did themselves Probably made them 50 grand just in that. Um, so I think that's the big thing is, is being, you know, trusting in your real estate agent to see past the cosmetic deficiencies and yeah. don't get caught up in buying the perfect place. And, yeah, and that,
0: that, that's great advice. Uh, a good realtor will be able to tell you, is this a wise, wise investment? Yeah. And you got to be work you got to be working with somebody that's 100% honest with you too, right? Like if if you just happen to like the home but it's in the worst neighborhood or in a in an area that's not going to appreciate at the same kind of rate and they're just trying to put a deal together and finally get you to buy a house or whatever, you know, that's not the same path, but um you you know, there 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 are opportunities. Um my discussion I'll we, we got to wrap this up, but um and here's my advice to realtors out there. You, as a realtor, we we with first-time home buyers, we got to get our listening ears on and ask a lot of why questions, you know, why are you moving? Why are you buying it together? Why do you want this type of house? Where do you work? What do you do in your spare time? Who's going to be coming over to the house? What do you see yourself doing in five years from now? Are you going to be making more money then? You know, there's so many questions that go through this process. Um, My investing tip for first-time homebuyers, wherever you are buying a home, whether you are living in it or investing just to get into the market, try and find something that is reasonably accessible to transit. Because if it has transportation close to the front door, um, you're more likely to have good appreciation on the home, but also easier to rent. Um, And just know your finances on the property going forward in years two, three, four, five, etc. So if you buy the cat piss house, and it's 15 years old, and it's going to need a roof in two years, five years, and you got to change the carpets because it smells like cat piss, and you got to change the appliances because appliances only last 12 to 15 years now. um, Just understand that math too, right? So here we are talking about the first time purchase, that's great. But um, you don't want to strap yourself. So you're you know totally broke
1: uh but well, being... i think at the, that's where the, what many sales in all industries fails they don't ask enough questions they just talk and talk and talk and and they don't know anything about who they're selling to or what their needs and wants actually are and god knows the first time home buyer just has no clue what they actually need because the vast majority will be selling in two three four years because it no longer suits their lifestyle right i wonder and I don't
0: know if we'll get any comments on it. Um, I don't know how many first-time homebuyers are actually listening or or watching. I hope lots. But I wonder how it must feel as a first-time homebuyer. Because we don't see the the -the behind-the-scenes stuff, right? Like when you're laying in bed at night and scrolling through realtor.ca. Because we know that's what happens. Um, I wonder how people feel now when they see homes at... $599 that are selling for $810, right? And then you're like, oh, as a first-time home buyer, I thought I could buy this at $599, but I actually can't. I've had people Um,
1: that are, I mean, maybe they weren't the brightest people, I don't know, but they're an older couple that have owned many houses and they kept sending me houses in a different market. Said, oh, this is perfect. I'd like to sell my house and buy this. And I had to explain to them, well, it's going to sell for $200,000 more. That's not a realistic price. So you know, so a lot of people don't even experienced people get caught by that. Yeah. Well, whether you're a genius or not, you know, uh, it's it's tough
0: to navigate what's happening in the real estate market. So, as a first time home buyer, you know, when you don't know what's happening and you can't figure it out, and you're just trying to to start and and whatever, it's got to be tough. It is tough. Um, So that's that. You know, not to Pound chest or plug us anymore, but uh whether you're buying your first home or you know you need to move up because of circumstantial changes, just shoot us a message we'll walk you through the process really easily um if we're a fit for you and if you're a fit for us because we don't take on all clients um you know we'll we'll guide you in the right direction and make sure that um you're getting Getting the right advice. And that's the biggest thing is get the right
1: advice. So
0: if you don't uh, that,
1: a year down the road, you're still gonna be searching for a house.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And you'll be spending money on other stuff. And then you'll get stuck. You know, this is what happens. People start saving for a first home. And a year goes by and they're like, crap, that's all I saved. I'll never be able to buy a house. Look at the prices. Ah, let's just go on vacation. <laughs> right, or their car breaks down all of a sudden, and, and it's like ah, I won't fix it. I'll just get a new one. Well, it's the same right? as anything.
1: You start working out a month later, you see no results or very little, and it's like, yeah, it's not worth it. You, you talk, gotta put you in the me, time.
0: You are telling me it's not paying off? <laughs> uh, anyways, episode right. one thirty-five, KT Confidential, the real Thanks estate for podcast. Uh, Ariel Carmendi, Adrian Trot. Uh, like, follow, subscribe, comment. We love you. Bye bye.